0: The views expressed on this program are not necessarily the views of the station. Content is for educational purposes only. Consult a financial advisor or conduct your own due diligence if investing. The show was pre recorded earlier this week. The Everyday Wealth radio show and podcast are produced and created by Edelman Financial Engines and hosted by Gene Chatsky and Soledad O'Brien. Ms. Chatsky and Ms. O'Brien are not employees or clients of the firm. They receive fixed cash compensation for acting as hosts and related activities and therefore have an incentive to endorse Edelman Financial Engines and its planners. For additional information, please see EverydayWealth.com. The 2022 Top 100 Independent Advisory Firm ranking issued by Barron's is qualitative and quantitative, including assets managed, revenue generated, regulatory records, staffing levels, and Diversity, technology spending, and succession planning. Firms elect to participate, but do not pay to be included in the ranking. Compensation is paid for use and distribution of rating. Awarded September 2022, based on data within a 12-month period. Investor experience and returns are not considered. At the intersection of life and money, this is Edelman Financial Engines Everyday Wealth with award-winning journalist Soledad O'Brien, personal finance expert Gene Chatsky, and Edelman Financial Engines Wealth Planner Andy Smith. Edelman Financial Engines has been ranked by Barron's as the number one investment advisor in the country. Now, here's Gene Chatsky, Soledad O'Brien, and Andy Smith.
1: Over the last few months, we've been talking about how all investing comes with risk. And if you haven't picked that up by now, I don't know what to tell you. You really just don't get the upside without the downside, at least some of the time. But you know, if you've been investing for less than 14 years, and that's Pretty possible, you know, that 2022 is your first taste of how markets typically behave, you know, when you're in the down market, it doesn't feel so good. And the emotion of not knowing when things are going to change can prompt people to make undisciplined decisions. That's a nice way of saying just dumb, crazy decisions. <laughs> and and sometimes people feel better about just taking some kind of action. Hi everybody, I'm Soledad O'Brien.
2: I'm Andy Smith.
1: And I'm Jean Chatsky, and you're listening to Edelman Financial
3: Engines Everyday Wealth, Soledad, you couldn't be more right. The the bull market has been so long and so fierce that we've given investors these unrealistic expectations of what markets do over the long term. It's very possible, even for people who have been in the markets more than 14 years to just forget that things go in the other direction because we just tend to believe that what happened yesterday or last year is is gonna continue and, and we forget how we ever used to do it the other way around.
2: Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of um, recency bias, right? Whatever situation you think you're in, that's what you think is going to continue forever and ever. Um, mm-hmm. So there's not a lot of long-term memory I remember talking with people in the early 2000s, in 2007, 2008, 2012, all along, and they thought this is, like, this is the big one. We're never going to get out of this. This is going to be with us forever and ever. And you just have to kind of step back and, and have some perspective about a lot of this. You know, when, it, when we talk about this recency bias, good or bad, wherever you think that you are, you think that it's going to continue forever. And so, you know, think about, back in 2009, right? The S&P hit uh, very briefly, 666 on March 6, 2009. It finally reached its closing low of 676 three days later on March 9th, right? So remember that, 676. If you look at the S&P 500 right now, the index has delivered a 10-year annualized total return of what, 17.8%? You have to step back you have to get some perspective. No matter how bad or good you think things are right now, things always change. Past performance is no, you know, indicator or guarantee of future results.
1: So then let's put 2022 into context. I I think for a lot of people 2022 feels like an outlier. Um perfectly bad storm, if you will, of high inflation, very aggressive interest rates, um, messed up correlations. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Down markets, you've got the geopolitical crises because there are multiple natural disasters. Um, You know, I I just feel like it just feels like it's a complete outlier.
2: I think that that's what clients are saying, right? So um, they see all these different things. We talk about market cycles. We talk about how two or three years are great, two or three years are okay, and one year just kind of rips your guts out.
3: But when things are continuing to the positive, right? I mean, we've had these 14 really good years. When, when we're getting a stream of good news, my guess, Andy, is that your phone doesn't ring off the hook. But now people are starting to think, oh my gosh, I have to do something.
2: They really do. And so, you know, one of the things that we talk about is wherever you think that you are, it's likely not going to continue. There have been other bear markets in the past, right? Since World War II, there's been 12, including the one that began in June of 22. Um, in June, in the, the 2020 bear market was the shortest one, um, you know, in duration to its bottom. What you have to remember is that the, it takes an average of 13 months to hit the bottom in a bear market. It takes about 20 months to get from the bottom back to recovery. So from peak to bottom to recovery, it takes about 33 months on average. But Gene, you're absolutely right. When things are great, when things are stupendous, (laughs) nobody's calling. Nobody's saying, do I need to be doing something different? It's only when the wheels are falling off the bus or people think that the wheels are falling off the bus, that's when people call and think, oh my gosh, I absolutely positively have to do something right now. So one of the things that I always try to do is kind of step back and show people kind of average case scenarios, poor scenarios, best case scenarios in these plans that we put together. So one of the things that I would have everybody think about is if you don't have that plan where you can look and see what average scenarios look like, what poor scenarios look like, what best case scenarios look like, there's no way that you can be an investor who thinks in decades. You're going to be thinking in quarters or months mm. or days or hours because you're going to be watching that market tick for tick for tick. You have to be one of those long-term investors who can stay in the market reasonably, right? Based on the the lowest or the least amount of risk necessary for you to achieve your goals.
3: So that's a problem this time around, because when you say you have to be long-term investors, there are a lot of investors now who are just not long-term investors, partly because they're such new investors, right? When you look at what happened over the course of the pandemic, and especially the shutdown- Bored sports bettors turned to day trading. They, they had stimulus cash, and so many sports were canceled or postponed. Over 20 million retail investors began playing the market. And now there are meme stock enthusiasts, financial influencers, you, you name it. But many are so new to investing and have only been doing it during
2: good market years. Uh, And we're going to be talking about this later, right? This whole TikTokification of investing, (laughs) right? TikTokification. It's it's a word word now. (laughs) It's a word now. But you know, people have no attention span anymore, right? You talk to me in 15 second bites, 30 second bites. How can you kind of step back and get that perspective and, and think like that investor who has to think in decades? So if you are looking at the markets tick for tick for tick, if your advisor or your broker is a wall and they have no plan for you, I mean, you need to do something about that. We'd love to talk. Planefe.com. Get that plan put together.
3: And that applies whether you are one of these new investors or, or whether you're one of the baby boomers who has already retired and moved from the accumulation phase of your investing bell curve to the spending phase. In fact, it may even be more important.
2: Uh, it is. And so what happens is at different points in your investing career, you're kind of focused on different things, right? When you first start out, you're trying to save as much as you can for as long as you can. You're trying to have an aggressive portfolio, take advantage of years in the market, take advantage of you know multi-year compounding. As you're in this glide path to retirement, your perspective, your needs change. And you talk about boomers, you talk about kind of this, you know, great wealth transfer. That's what we're seeing. And so if you're going from a saving to accumulating to a spending phase, you're probably completely out of whack right now because you think, oh my gosh, I have retired at the worst possible time. What am I doing? I got to work forever. I got to sell plasma for rent money. That that's not the case. Now, some people out there who don't have a plan and don't know how to kind of act in these kind of downward markets, yeah, they're probably worried. But it's it's, it's a matter of you needing to figure out what type of investor do you want to be. Do you want to be able to watch the TV on mute, kind of watch the numbers go, and know that you have a plan that's working for you in the background? Or are you trying to dig yourself out of a hole that's continually being filled because you just don't know you just don't know where to go with your money right now.
3: So I have been looking for the perfect pair of black boots this season. <laughs> they they needed to be comfortable. The Eternal Hunt, have the here. Eternal
1: Hunt for every
3: woman the, in America. Exactly. And look, I have been on this hunt for a couple of months. Well, a couple of days ago I saw them on Instagram. Uh, and and somebody had put them together with a, a terrific outfit, and within about thirty seconds, I had ordered these boots, paid for these boots, and now a couple of days later, they should be at my door today. And it's just a huge sea change in the, in the way that we shop, the way that we get our news. I mean, if you think about it, Twitter launched in. 2006. It it started to ramp up in 2007, when at that point, there were about 20,000 tweets a day. Today, there are 5 million tweets a day? 500 million.
1: Listen, I have my PhD in Twitter. Let me tell you, lady. (laughs) 500 million. And I'm responsible for about 100 million of that 500 million. (laughs) You are. I
3: get your feed and as should everybody else. But Instagram didn't launch till 2010. TikTok until 2016. And we are talking about how this 24-7 news cycle social media driven world has changed how we do everything, not just not just get our news, not just shop, but also manage our money.
1: So, Andy, then to what degree do you think that social media has influenced specifically how we think about investing?
2: It's huge. People go online. There's this entertainment aspect. There's this short term attention span aspect that totally feeds, you know, these dopamine receptors, right? You get that hit, you get that hit, you get that hit. What What other stock do I need to buy, right? So all of a sudden, you're, you're scrolling through. That's not a plan, right? You have no idea where you are. You have no idea what your goals are. You have no idea what the industry or the economy or markets or investments are doing. All you're doing is, li- is, is sitting there listening to this influencer, probably has limited investment knowledge Um, they're great entertainers, right? They're great hucksters, but that's no way to plan for your retirement. That's no way to plan for your kid's education.
3: I, I agree with you, but it's a very difficult trend to fight when it works, right? And in 2021, it worked. I mean, if you look at these young people who jumped onto... Robinhood, after reading the, the Reddit thread that pumped up stocks like GameStop, uh, some of them, at least the ones who were in early, they made money, right? And that is a very difficult sea change to argue against. I, I get what you're saying. And I, and I think you and I are on the same
1: page here. This is not planning for retirement. And it's hard to resist. I mean, like, look at the numbers. 1.6 million tweets about GameStop, 82,000 Reddit mentions, 1,400 YouTube videos about GameStop. I mean, that was all between just a week, January 20th and January 27th. So if you're a person who's trying to figure out your investing, or maybe you feel confident or overconfident, you can see it being bombarded with that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Right. The thing to remember is just because you have a keyboard and can count to 140 characters or 500 characters now doesn't mean that you're necessarily qualified to hand out that investment advice. Um, I've been doing this a long time. Right. Late 90s, early 2000s. There was this kind of go-go mentality, momentum growth, anything goes. Tons of mutual funds were created years ago that had terrible investment stances. Right, Just because it, it, it sounded sexy and it made sense and, oh, this is cool, nobody else is doing that. Well, flash forward 20 years and it's the same thing. It's just that now we have these supercomputers in our pockets that, that you know, kind of injects that information to us whenever we want, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And the risk is that you see this kind of slick character online right? It's got a great social media presence. Oh my gosh, he or she makes total sense. This is so cool. They're so funny. Um, I kind of want to be like them, right? There's this aspirational kind of intent. People are blindly following these, these influencers and they have no clue what it's going to do for them in the long run.
1: Part of it, I think, because I see a lot of them on Instagram, especially some on Twitter, uh, is there is this tone of like, the man doesn't want you to know the truth, you know, but if you follow me, you know, I've got the truth. Like there's people who are keeping you from understanding this, if that makes sense. Almost like a, um, yeah. you know, I've got the secret <laughs> sauce. And and the flip side
3: is that they're exciting and in your face and not boring. The problem yes. with yeah. so much of good investment advice, good retirement planning advice is that it stays the same year after year after year. I have a lot of money rules, and one of my money rules is that boring is better. It's hard to convince people that that's true.
2: <laughs> right, I mean, what, you know, eat right, exercise, take your vitamins, <laughs> get sleep, right? It's boring. But, you know, it's like, oh, I'm on this diet where I'm only supposed to eat cucumbers like eight <laughs> meals a day. It's like, okay, that's great, and then you got all this flash and everything else. And that does you know, well. It, like,
1: that literally, great. as you know... Yeah people will weigh it and be like, I don't know, I'm going with the cucumbers.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Social media almost has become the crazy uncle that we talked about 10 years ago, right? If you're getting your investing advice from some nutty coworker or your crazy uncle or whatever you know, people did that you quote unquote trust, that's not you having a plan, right? You have to get yourself to retirement. You have to get yourself through retirement. The stuff that helps the plan work is the, the boring stuff, right? Save as much as you can for as long as you can. Diversify, work with a fiduciary, have a sense of what happens when the wheels fall off the bus in the market so that you're not blowing yourself up and hitting that sell button as quickly as possible.
3: Andy, do you ever get a call from clients who say, hey, I saw this on TikTok or I saw this in my Facebook feed? Kind of like 10 years ago, they might've said, I saw this on CNBC. I mean, do you, do you get asked to react to those things?
2: Yeah, we get it all the time. And so people say, oh, this is what I should do with leveraged loans. This is what I should do with options and you know, futures strategies. This is what I should do with these seven magical stocks that this guy wants me to buy because he has all the answers and you know wants the whole world to know his, his success. The first thing that I tell him is if this guy had everything together and if this guy had all the answers, he's probably not going to try to sell you a $99 newsletter to sell you these seven stocks that you got to buy. <laughs> but we just go through, right? You say, this is what it means. So they talk about option strategies. They talk about levered loans. They talk about, you know, 2X, 3X, bull or bear ETFs. And so you explain this is what it means. And then all of a sudden you see these light bulbs kind of go off and then their eyes get really wide. And then they say, well, what, what does it mean to me? And then that's when you can go back to the plan and say, all right, let's say hypothetically, this is where you are right now. This is where we've put your plan together. This is your mailbox money. These are your expenses. This is your debt. These are your investments. This is your workplace savings. And then I show a scenario Where, all right, this is what would happen or this is what could happen if you did this or this or this. And you just kind of point it out to them in black and white and you can see them kind of make the connection. With investing, with finance, with retirement savings and planning and everything else, the stakes are so high. Right If you are getting your investing advice from a 90 second clip from this guy and you don't know where he is, what his background is, what he's doing, how he's managing his own money, right? He could tell you anything. But it doesn't mean that he's actually doing it on his own. How do you vet the sources that you're getting your information
3: from? right? if If, if TikTok is not the gold standard. How do you know that the source is a good source?
2: Um, Ask them point blank. Are you a fiduciary? You know, are you legally obligated? Are you duty bound to do what is in my best interest? That weeds out a lot of the jokers because they'll try to, you know, baffle you with nonsense and, oh, well, it's this and this and this. But ultimately, you want somebody who's going to sit on the same side of the table and have your best interests at heart, right? You can have your kind of gut feelings, but you want somebody who can explain this is what has happened, this is what it means, this is what it means to you. If you're doing this on your own, if you don't like the current person that you're working with, you know, give us a call, head out to planEFE.com, get with somebody so that you know kind of what happens here or what can happen no matter what goes on in the markets here going forward.
3: We need to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to jump into figuring out what kind of investor you are and how this can impact you and how you feel when the markets go a a little haywire. I'm Jean Chatsky. I'm here with Soledad O'Brien and Andy Smith. You are listening to Edelman Financial Engines' Everyday Wealth. Stay with us.
0: With talk of a recession coming, it's time to ask yourself, Is your financial plan ready to handle it? Talk to an Edelman Financial Engines Wealth Planner and learn how to help prepare for whatever lies ahead. Call 833-PLAN-EFE or visit planefe.com to get connected. Warren Buffett
2: once said that the stock market is a device to transfer money from the impatient to the patient. For a lot of today's show, we've been discussing the changes that have happened over the last 14 years, uh, basically the time since the last significant bear market. I think one of the biggest changes has to do with uh, you know how the world overall has become more innovative, more saturated with entertainment options, with news options. I mean, everything's at our fingertips, right? You want groceries, Instacart. You want dinner. DoorDash. You want a giant T-Rex suit or your kid needs a a costume like 20 minutes before Halloween? Amazon. But no matter what you want, we've basically been trained that we can get everything pretty quickly. I hate to tell you this, investing doesn't work like that. The problem is a lot of people are feeling a ton of angst. They are itching to do something because of everything that they've seen these last 11 months. I think it begs the question. I think it begs two questions, right? Do you need to be doing something? And what type of investor are you?
3: It's physical, Andy. When you raise that question, do you need to be doing something, Human beings are just wired like that. We are wired to want to act. And often when it comes to our investing, acting is exactly the wrong thing to do. And for a lot of people, um, there is this feeling that it is painful to take risk. For other people, it is a huge rush to take risk. And and then there's the whole how you were raised factor. I mean, how we feel about money today and how we behave, how you behave about money today has everything to do with that home that you grew up in when, when you were a kid. And it has. it's not that your parents tried to teach you about money or didn't try to teach you about money. It's it's what you felt. It's it's whether money was a source of fear, money was a source of tension, money was not talked about, it was whispered about, it was secretive. All of that stuff goes into creating the person that you are, the investor that you are today. And it is, it is so complicated. It's no wonder that we don't understand it.
1: So, Andy, do you treat people differently or have a different strategy if you have client A who's like, I love the rush of of, of doing something and client B who's like, I actually prefer to do nothing at all. And I'm going to sit here even when I'm given advice to actually do something.
2: Totally. You have people who are fairly emotional, who are chasing returns. They know exactly what's happening in the market tick for tick for tick. Um, they're super emotionally tied to whatever is going on in a very short period of time, right? Um, they love it when things are going well. They hate themselves when the market's down or their performance is suffering. So you have return chasers, and then you have kind of what I like: goal-based investors. Um, they're they know what they're trying to accomplish. They know their timeline. Um, they know what they have to do to get there, or they're working with somebody to help. Figure out all these different things. But the idea is are you just chasing returns or are you building a goal plan, understanding what the investments have to do within that goal plan, and then monitoring, updating, working against that plan quarter after quarter, year after year, all the way to and through retirement? And then once we know what those goals are, and you don't just have to have one goal right? You can have layers and time-based goals and everything else because the idea is you, you're trying to get to and through retirement. And your approach to money, your thoughts about money are going to change as you age, as you have more or less, and as you, especially as you move from you, the accumulation stage over to the spending stage. So we absolutely talk differently based on who's in front of us
3: particularly at times like these. Being patient is really, really difficult, right? You just have this urge to act. And yet I know, Andy, because I've heard you say it before, that being patient can
2: pay off. Tell me why. Um, A lot of times what happens is that when you think that you have to do something, there's this irrational and emotional switch that flips in your brain, and you're willing to do Most anything that somebody puts in front of you, as long as it sounds intelligent and a little kind of, um, you know, immediately actionable, right? Um, We see some, um, you know, multi-month volatility in the market. You got to sell. Okay, I'm going to sell, right? When you are patient, you can kind of sit back, watch what's happening in the world around you, inform yourself about what is happening, right? It goes back to the whole what happened, what does it mean? What does it mean to me? But when you are patient, you can go back, you can look at your goals. What am I trying to accomplish? I want this amount of money, inflation adjusted, for 28 years of retirement. What do I gotta do to get there? I gotta save this amount of money. And you know, you're positioning yourself for that longer term. But being patient allows you not to have to figure out the exact right time to sell, the, the exact right time to buy back in, the seven or 10 or you know, 11 magical days in the market each year that you have to be in to see those you know, positive returns. Being patient just allows you to almost float above the reality that everybody else is dealing with because you have that plan in place. You know what your dollars are doing. You know how much you got to save. You know how much you can spend up to and maybe even over a certain limit to last all the way through retirement. But being patient really puts you in a position where you don't have to do something. You can just kind of stand there because you know that things are working for you in the background.
3: I totally get it. It makes perfect sense. I just, it's not easy. It's not easy to fight these natural impulses, these impulses that you grew up with. I mean, on the flip side, we started this show by talking about how the markets have gone up and up and up for 14 years. And and so many people have never experienced this sort of a, a bear market, despite the fact that we had a lot of commentators and, and news organizations talking about how the market was overpriced. Do you think as investors we got sucked into irrational exuberance as as Alan Greenspan coined it?
2: Uh, 100%. <laughs> uh, I guess I can't say 100%. I am high, it is highly likely that we got sucked into uh, this irrational exuberance, right? You know, Greenspan talked about this in 96. It's this idea that, you know, market optimism is not, it's market optimism that isn't based on the fundamentals of valuation. It all comes back, I think, to market cycles, right? You've got two or three years that are great. 2019, 2020, 2021. You've got two or three years that are okay. You have one year that rips your guts out. That's where we are but if you are so laser focused on a quarter or a day or a week, if you're the person who comes in and talks to your advisor and says, I want to talk about this two and a half week performance. Okay. But can we, can we kind of zoom out and talk about the next 25 years of your retirement? You know, you have to figure out what your plan is, where you fit in to that multi-year, multi-decade cycle. So exuberance or no, You have to have a plan to get to and through retirement. If you are working with somebody who's just trying to sell you a basket of stocks and then they call you in two and a half months and sell you another basket of stocks, if they're trying to sell you high-priced contracts or illiquid investments or anything, that's not a plan. Right? You need somebody to talk to you about your goals, what you're trying to accomplish, your mailbox money, your debt, your investments, your savings, education, your kids, estate planning, all of that together. But most importantly, it all comes down to this. What is the least amount of risk necessary that you have to take on to reach your goals? Gene, for you, it could be one thing. Soledad, for you, it could be another. For me, it's another. But the idea is to get help. Planefe.com is a great start. But the idea is you got to talk to somebody because you really only get one chance at this.
1: So throughout today's show, we've been talking about the emotional side of investing and certainly the emotional side of investing in 2022 is way different uh, from the past really fun 14 years or so. And we've discussed, obviously, why people are feeling the way they are and, and the problems that those feelings can, can get you. And rationally, I get it. I really do. But, you know, again, now I'm not necessarily rational about things. Um, humans aren't rational. And, and fear and emotion can get the best of us. Andy, let's talk tactics then, because I am that person who, who wants to do something. Maybe it ends up being the wrong something, but I will feel good about having done it, and I actually will have a list, and I'll cross it off my list because I've done something. Because it makes me anxious, frankly, to sit on my hands and do nothing. What can I do that would help and not hinder my
3: goals? And Andy, before you answer that question, can we take this by life stage? Because if I'm 30 or 40, the advice is very different than if I'm 50 or or 60. So, So let's start with that investor who is... 10 or more years away from retirement?
2: Sure. So this is the group that really needs to um, strongly consider exercising patience, right? Patience helps. You have to understand that what you're feeling right now is totally normal, right? If you're you're laying awake at 3 o'clock in the morning staring at the ceiling, thinking about your money all the time, that's not good. But it's okay to feel... Concerned or uneasy or question kind of what you're seeing in the world around you, right? But if you if you have to do something to feel better emotionally about the money, talk with your planner. Talk with your advisor. There are things that a planner can talk about with you. What is going on? What does it mean? What does it mean to you? These are the things that we're talking about in client meetings because we have the opportunity to go back to their money, back to their plan, and we know what they're trying to accomplish. But given your time horizon, right, at least 10 years, if not more, to retirement, you could still very well be on track. You may not have to do anything, no matter what you think that you have to do, but it's, it's absolutely vital that you ask questions. Call your advisor, get a planner, get an advisor if you don't have one, because there are things that you need to start figuring out right now.
3: 10 years out, everybody needs a physical. Every 10 years out from retirement, this is the most crucial time to get a checkup just to make sure that you're actually going to be able to do it. And I'm always surprised by the number of people who haven't had that appointment.
1: What if you're something like five years away from retirement or maybe like three to five years before you're about to retire?
2: Um, I think now 's a good time to start building up some cash reserves um, for the unexpected. This is what you should have been doing all along right I think there 's a, a place for cash in everybody 's portfolio x number of months worth of living expenses, kind of based on what 's going on you know up up upstairs up in your head um, so build cash, look for high yield savings accounts, talk to your advisor, talk to your planner about some higher paying money markets that may be available in the account. Um, now's a great time to max out your health savings account. If you're not already doing that, um, some new limits are going to, uh, into effect for 2023. If you are an individual, 3,850 is the limit. Um, for a family, it's 7750. So in that kind of shorter term window, I'm assuming that you've already got that plan in place, right? You already know what your goals are, how to invest, how much to save, what you're spending in retirement. As you get closer and into that glide path, you know, in that trophy dash to retirement, that's when you need to be figuring out what you have to do from a cash perspective.
3: If you are a new retiree, what can you tweak in order to make it better for yourself down the road? What are you telling clients
2: There's two things. Um, Number one, look at your allocation. Look at how you are invested because there's a good chance that you've been on autopilot for years and years. You know that you've been saving as much as you can for as long as you can into your 401k. You kind of have a sense what your allocation is. You need to know exactly what you're invested in you need to know exactly the percentages of use of those investments. And I'm not saying over-rotate, right? I'm not, going, I'm not saying go from 80% stock to 20% stock. What I'm saying is look at the allocation, understand what you're doing, and maybe start to slowly shift into more of a, of a retirement sort of approach. So look at the allocation. And then number two, look at your spending. You've probably been on autopilot with your spending, right? You know what's coming in, but when you first retire, you need to know exactly what's going out and when, when insurance payments are, when property taxes are due, all of these things together because you're not going to have that regular and recurring income. Yes, there may be social security. Yes, there may be pension, but this is one of those big life events where I like people to kind of go in and restate their plan, right? Life events, birth, marriage, illness, death, retirement, Take time, understand where you are with your investing, where you are with your spending, and then all of that goes back into the plan so that you know exactly where you are right now. Should you
1: unretire? I mean, if you're just in retirement or you're just about to go into retirement, is it a, a smart idea to at least consider? Like, maybe this is not the year.
2: Um, so I think you want to know yourself. Um, I have people who, when I'm in the, the meetings and it's kind of the retirement launch meeting, um, or even before that, it's what type of person are you going to be once you retire? Do you want to retire and literally not do anything else for the rest of your life? Not many people say yes, right? There's some who do and they're honest with themselves and they're saying, I, you know, don't talk to me about part-time income. Don't talk to me about this. I've, you know, busted my tail for this long. I'm done. A lot of people realize that they do just want to do something different. It's not that they want to retire and just sit in front of the TV all day or play pickleball, you know, 22 hours a day. It's that they just want to be doing something different. Sometimes that comes with part-time income. Sometimes that comes with far less responsibility. So I don't think it's a matter of you need to think about X, Y, or Z. I think you have to understand what type of person you are and what you want your retirement to look like having some sort of thing to do, be it part-time income or volunteering, um, you know, taking care of the kids or grandkids, it gives you that emotional and mental release that you used to have with your employment. If your plan doesn't work without you having part-time income, (laughs) you better know that ahead of time, right? Don't be the person that has to do something 10 months into retirement because you didn't plan the way that you needed to up until that point.
3: Let's say I'm in retirement and I'm, yeah. I'm well in retirement and I don't have an advisor or I don't have an advisor that I like. Is it too late?
2: It's not too late. The problem is when people know that they need to do something and they don't do it, right? You go to the doctor, the doctor says you got to cut out salt and you say, no, I, I don't have to cut out salt. Then why did you go to the doctor? right? You are worried about money. You're worried about your health. You're worried about, you know, whatever. You have to take action, right? The problem is when you're 30, when you're 60, when you're 80, 85, you have to be able to get that help. It's not too late. It may be too late to have the retirement that you want, but you already knew that. You just want somebody who's, you know, like I said, this isn't their first rodeo. They can talk with you about what this means, Put things into perspective for you, help you feel as though you're not the only one who might be in this situation. But I don't think that it is too late. Look, if you don't have anybody, get help. We'd love to talk with you. Planefe.com, 833-PLANEFE. The idea is to talk with somebody, get help, figure out where you are, where you're trying to get to, but talk with us.
1: We're out of time. Andy, uh, great to talk to you. Thanks for joining us. Uh, For everybody uh, who's listening, if you have a a question or a topic that you'd like us to discuss on air, we'd love to talk to you. Just go to everydaywealth.com to submit your question. And together with an EFE wealth planner, we'll talk through some potential solutions that would be obviously very personal to you. And if you want to catch a show that you might
3: have missed, well, you can always listen to our podcast and sometimes the podcast will even have a little something extra that we're not able to air on the radio just cuz we don't have as much time. You can download our podcast at everydaywealth.com or wherever you stream your favorite pods and we love feedback. So if you like what you hear, leave us a review and if you don't like what you hear, well, we still want to hear about <laughs> that. Take a second and subscribe to so that you never miss an episode have a great week everybody
0: you've been listening to edelman financial engines everyday wealth with soledad o'brien jean Chatsky, and andy smith tune in each week for fresh and compelling insights and strategies to help elevate your financial potential to learn more visit our website everydaywealth.com or find our show wherever you stream your favorite podcast